0: A culture pastor
1: I mean we could sit here and debate on the merits of allowing people democracy can we handle it that's the question and we cannot I think some people would say maybe you right now some people would say clearly we cannot you don't give us choice cuz we'll just blow it
0: um i'll go back to free will in the garden clearly <laughs> See, we can't be trusted, and as we go on through the show, we'll learn like the full detriment of the downfall of society and humanity.
1: <laughs> wow, you <laughs> wow, just—I mean—just jump off that cliff. I mean, my goodness, <laughs> like it's like we just reenacted the uh, from Attack of the Clones, the scene in the meadow. Where Anakin, the meme, where Anakin's like, I think, you know, just one person in charge would be the way to go. And she's like, you're kidding, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's me right now. I'm like, you're (laughs) kidding, right? Oh, you're not kidding. No, (laughs) we are not. Uh, Oh, man. Welcome uh, to Pop Culture Pastor. Our podcast, we are two licensed ministers, Cody and my name's Dave. And uh, we love pop culture we do. And what Cody is already making reference to is the final of our tournament of tournaments. The 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 our effort to put all these comic book movies together to finally determine what is the best comic book movie of all time by the votes of our listeners. And Cody is not pleased with the results. Um so
0: I wasn't pleased with the Marvel side of the bracket anyway, because Mm -hmm. if you ask me, the movie that made it out might be like the fifth or sixth best Marvel movie. Yeah. And I'm putting Ragnarok, Winter Soldier, the newest Spider-Man, and Infinity War in front of it, and it's not even close. Like Those are for sure in front of it, and I can make a case for a couple others being just as good.
1: Well, and I think we can also like a state of the tournament, the way we set it up. It was the first time we did it, so I think if in, in the future, if we were to do this again, because obviously the Batman is not was not a part of this. It was we not. started it before it came out. So I think if we were going to do this in the future, I would scrap the all the Marvel on one half of the bracket, and then everything else on the other, and we would just go for a total seating of the sixty four best comic book movies. According to Dave. Uh, no, there was some scientific usage in there. It just wasn't my opinion. <laughs> I was using several like lists. All the list. Yeah. And I'm, I was trying to be as, as comprehensive as I could be. See, everyone's got to complain. Yeah. Like, I'm not seeing Look, Like, look, if, if it was up to me, Avengers Endgame probably wouldn't have been a one seed. It would have even made it in the tournament. Well, let's <laughs> not get crazy. Let's not get crazy. Anyways, we had 95 votes. Which, frankly, come on. That's that's weak sauce. Very weak. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs to vote. We had 95 votes, 95 listener votes on what the best comic book movie of all time. We'd come, it's March Madness is done. We're to the championship moment, just like the University of Kansas. We are. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Go KU. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) Um, we get this moment. Avengers Endgame and The Dark Knight. And the winning tally was 49 to 46. So it was very close. Very, very close. With the eventual and newly crowned best comic book movie of all time by your votes, Avengers Endgame. Over the dark night, 49 to 46. I might get sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cody is Cody is ill. I I mean I guess I voted for the Dark Knight. Um and you but voted I didn't correctly.
0: Feel, I didn't feel great about it. Oh, I felt like this is hands down a better movie, better cast, and in game had everyone their mom in it. And I'm going to say just the handful of people that were in Dark Knight were better. Why? Why are you going to say that? Morgan Freeman, Heath Ledger, Gary Oldman, Christian Bale, Aaron Eckhart. Like the the worst character in it's Maggie Gyllenhaal, or the okay. worst actress in it is. And shocking, Maggie Gyllenhaal slander. slander. <laughs> yeah, no one was ready for that. But I'm saying like ah and you have killian murphy's even in it like
1: he's totally wasted in those movies
0: um you don't even see most of the avengers until the last 10 minutes of the movie
1: okay but here let, let's i want to say this though the story in the dark knight is a problem and i think drags it down because the story it doesn't hold up to any sort of examination and once you see it, you can't unsee it, but it's just total chaos. And basically, this is my problem with Nolan a lot, um, maybe ever since Memento, because I liked Memento, and it made sense to me. I think he became a filmmaker that's just trying to put these trippy vignettes, like he's trying to include these trippy moments, and the moments start to serve the plot, Right. Or the plot starts to serve the moments instead of the moments serving the plot. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, but I would also say each film within the Nolan verse, I feel, takes on the characteristics of the main villain. And oh, so
1: I, I've never thought of that, but if that's what he's doing, then that would explain the chaotic nature of The Dark Knight.
0: Because The Joker is very chaotic. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then you know we'll have to do some homework on that to back up that claim.
0: Because um, if you notice, um, and I'll use rises as an example. Usually, within the rest of the other two Batman movies, the fight scenes are happening lightning quick, and Batman's kicking butt. It slows down because Bane is amongst the initiated. He's able to see it coming. It takes on his persona, the fight does.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so it it's very villain focused. Yeah.
1: So the problem with Dark Knight, and and I agree. So so the Dark Knight Rises, I think is actually a superiorly, superiorly crafted story. Right? Um, so like take the end of the Dark Knight. Uh Heath Ledger's Joker is he has this assumption that the people are going to destroy each other to live, right?
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: their their um, ambition to keep living is going to throw that over the edge, and then he's wrong, and it sort of devastates him, right, at the end. And the whole point of the end of the movie is like, see, you're wrong. You don't know people. The problem with that is the things that happen in the movie are so expertly crafted by someone who clearly is an expert in human behavior. Like, so many of the things that happen in his plan are because of a certain specific reaction by somebody and I mean, he would have had to predict it.
0: Even, like, the bank heist at the very beginning, there yes. are several moments within that where... Um, like he just knows how each guy's going to react. And then he ends up with all the money at the end of it.
1: Right. Several points of his plan. The reason he's always ahead of the Batman, he's always a step ahead is because he is correctly predicting behavior. And so to have him at the end speed, ha ha, you're wrong. It's just kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird ending to me. You're just kind of ignoring the previous part of the movie.
0: I don't know. Maybe I, he didn't account for the prisoner having a good moral character.
1: Yeah, and and so like, what I'm trying to say is the larger piece here is Nolan. The problem I have with Nolan, and I had this problem with Inception, is you're creating you. He, it's like he imagines these cool moments in film, and man, so cool. Can he craft them? Like, I'm not trying to take that away from him. Like, there's these unbelievable moments in Inception. But when you piece them all together, they don't always connect real well, in my opinion.
0: I will agree that Nolan does have that tendency, especially I feel Inception on. You can really see it. It's
1: mm. noticeable. And and disclaimer, like there's a lot of bad movies out there. I'm That's not what I'm saying about Nolan. Clearly the dude, I, I mean, it's not that I don't enjoy watching a Nolan movie. Dunkirk really good. Dunkirk was fabulous. So good. Um so I like Nolan. I like watching his movies and it's a minor gripe in the grand scheme.
0: I will say without the Dark Knight trilogy I'm 99% sure, certain you don't get the Marvel universe. What's your uh what's your explanation for that? Um because before then, like, Blade had started to die off. Like, Blade Trinity was, ooh.
1: Spider-Man was a mess.
0: Spider-Man was a mess. Like, the Dark Knight solidifies we can have superhero movies. I think Marvel sees the success of the Dark Knight franchise and are like, what if we make a whole universe? Mm -hmm. Instead of just focusing in on one hero, we tell multiple stories at once, and then we have them join up and create this cinematic universe. So they are
1: actually planning as the Dark Knight's happening. It's interesting, though, because Batman is a solitary character when it works. Oh, yeah. Like, it's when they try to put him around other heroes that, that it's garbage. DC... They they have a Batman problem. Even within Batman themse- itself. So people like the Tim Burton movies, but they started adding Robin and Batgirl, and by then it's trash. Um, There's Batnipples and everything else, and who knows what, a, you know, like everyone, ha- lot, everyone hates it. George. <laughs> it wasn't Clooney's fault. Uh, everyone I, blames Clooney. <laughs> poor guy. It was Joel Schumacher. I don't know who made the decision about the bat nipples.
0: It was Joel, because he uh, based it off of uh, Greek and Roman statues.
1: Oh, is that what he said?
0: Yeah, that Hmm. the, the sculptures, that it shows the human physique all ripped and stuff. And that was his decision, that he wanted it to look like that.
1: Well, I mean, it does fit with the character. I mean, what instills fear more than nipples on their bat suit? (sighs) (laughs) <sighs> <Yeah. laughs> Those a, were the dark days. What a disaster. <laughs> all right. So Avengers Endgame wins. It's the, it's the It wins the tournament of tournaments. It's the best comic book movie of all time, as voted on by you, the listeners. I mean, we'll agree, disagree. <laughs> That's you're so kind. Uh, let's get to the news. Um, there's been a lot of post- academy awards news um will smith resigned from the academy of motion picture arts and science sciences last friday um it, which is interesting because i didn't know i don't know what it means this is from people they say this is what it means to resign he will no longer enjoy the benefits that members are afforded including access to screeners for films in consideration and the ability to vote for potential nominees. However, his invitation to attend future Academy Awards and related events remains to be seen once the Academy Board reaches an external decision later. Um, The Code of Conduct, which was majorly revised in 2017 in the wake of the Me Too movement, Harvey Weinstein includes disciplinary measures that may include private reprimand, public reprimand, temporary or permanent loss of privileges to attend and participate in academy events or activities, temporary or permanent loss of eligibility to receive or hold or revocation of academy awards or honors. So there's still, um. yeah, there's still apparently on the table that he could lose his academy award, which if we go back to our pod last week, the devil still stealing slash come back for Harvey's. Yeah, also, right. Because if you take Will Smith's for slapping Chris Rock, something that, you know, half half of the United States probably wanted to do at some point in the last 20 years. Not that Chris Rock is a bad person, but he's kind of obnoxious sometimes. At times. So if you're going to do that, then yeah, you better come for Harvey's or Roman Polanski's for that matter. Um, and some would say Woody Allen's. They gave Roman Polanski and Woody Allen like the lifetime achievement award. Yeah. So, you know, don't come too hard for Will unless you're prepared to take some other awards away. Um, but he resigned. And, and for his to his credit, he's been very contrite since. Yeah. And and says he's well. And again, and it speaks to what we talked about in that last pod where the joy has been stolen from that moment by giving the devil an opportunity in our anger. It's exactly what Paul's talking about in that scripture. And we can see it in someone who maybe isn't even a follower of Christ. We don't know. It's kind of amorphous. Denzel seems to be a mentor who is very Christian. He prayed with him after the fact. But like everything he's coming out, the statements is he's heartbroken. This should have been a night of joy for him. This pinnacle moment. Um, not unlike, you know, the the champion of the NCAA tournament. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a mountaintop moment. And that was his mountaintop moment. And there's nothing but heartbreak around it now. For something dumb. Like, Chris Rock's over it, I'm sure. He was probably over it the next day.
0: Yeah. And, like, he's done a couple stand-up shows since and has said, I'm not going to talk about it. So, yeah, it's in the past. Well, it probably actually
1: helped his stand-up stuff cuz he's about to go on like a he he's he's scheduled like a comeback tour this summer. It was already scheduled. I,
0: I think, think that it would have sold out anyway. Probably. Just cuz Chris Rock's Chris Rock and but,
1: but there is definitely a renewed interest in him. Yeah. Um cuz he's yeah, it wasn't like he was unpopular he'd been in fargo in the past year quite good actually
0: um his uh continuation of the saw saga um he actually did a really good job of that okay
1: yeah his acting
0: career is going great he produced it i think he might have even helped write it so
1: very good so yeah he's fine and but like it's it's interesting to see will smith in this moment where he's just kind of in misery still that may he may have already been in misery i think that's the the key thing here
0: although so within like courtroom cases um what often helps uh with a lesser sentencing is uh the sign of remorse Mm -hmm. yeah and You you think he
1: could be it could be just an act
0: i'm not saying it it's just an act. I'm saying that there could be a benefit to it, that within the court of public opinion, they see the remorse and ah, we can move on given a brief span of time.
1: For sure. For sure. Um, We're going to talk about one more thing about the Oscars, and then we're not going to ever talk about it again. I don't even like the Oscars. So, But this had to be pointed out. Because if you're still out there and you might be of the opinion of how awful Will Smith is, let's just talk about Amy Schumer for a second. In her first public appearance since co-hosting the Academy Awards, she addressed the course, the incident with Will Smith and Chris Rock. And she says this, quote, I was kind of feeling myself. And then all of a sudden, Ali was making his way up. And it was just a explicative bummer. She called the incident really sad. So she's like, you know, it says so much about toxic masculinity, she also said. So she's, you know, make feeling sorry for herself. Mm-hmm. Like, took all away my thunder. Evil, evil men. And she's, then she says, I think the best way to comfort ourselves would be for me to say the Oscar jokes that I wasn't allowed to say. Because of Will Smith, apparently. Or... You know, maybe not because of that. These were just jokes she wasn't allowed to say. So she's mad because this incident took place, this toxic masculinity, and then she said, this place wouldn't even allow me to tell a joke um, about Alec Baldwin and the Rust incident. During, uh, uh, she said it was something about looking up like, a, like you were on the set of an Alec Baldwin movie. And she wasn't allowed to make that joke. And she was lamenting that. like Lamenting, making a joke where someone died. Someone's mom. A kid's mom. She had a kid and a husband.
0: Yeah, a family that has been on record saying there's no reason that we shouldn't still have our family member, our significant other, with us today if certain protocols were followed are followed and yeah so an incident where chris rock got slapped (laughs) and i'm not even sure like it might hurt physically for a little bit
1: um but someone actually died, it's, which, which by the way, let's hold on. Don't rush past that because two days after it happened on her Instagram, Schumer said, I'm still triggered and traumatized by the incident. I'm in shock. I'm stunned and sad. And I'm proud of myself and my co-host waiting for this sickening feeling to go away from what we all witnessed a dude slapping another dude. And then she's like a couple days later, She's mad at the toxic masculinity. She's still railing on that and, and is complaining that she didn't get to make a joke about someone who died on the set of a movie by gunshot. What is wrong with these people? Um, that's real trauma right there. <sighs> and, and Like, I think, okay, so I'd be lying if I said that this is coming from a neutral place because I already didn't like Amy Schumer. Um, much like, you know, some people didn't like Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. And I think that worked against him, that he could be kind of obnoxious. Well, Amy Schumer can be obnoxious in a different way. Her comedy is vulgar. I don't care about that. Um, a lot of people who are of a certain persuasion may not like that kind of comedy because it's vulgar. I understand that several comics have gotten paid over the years by doing that. Mm-hmm. And it used to be more common than it is now. But I'm fine with that. What I don't like about what Amy Schumer does is they stand on these pedestals to scream about the wrongs of the world, and it's always from a place of self-righteousness. And then they say something like this where it's clear, it's like, yeah, you're just as broken as the rest of the world. Maybe pipe down on the righteousness and let's talk about the wrongs in a civil manner. Like, she, she says something, you know, like, it's okay to talk about like I'm willing to talk about the toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. if you're not immediately railing on the fact that you weren't able to tell a joke about a dead person, or yeah. essentially, or an incident where someone died, a mother, a wife, in a tra- I mean, it was tragedy. You're going to joke about tragedy? Get out of here! You don't really care about people.
0: Yeah, uh, shockingly, most of us just really care about ourselves.
1: That is true. That's very true. And now we will never, ever talk about these Oscars again. Good. That could be a lie. Because I just can't get over that we watched scripture play out on stage in that fashion. As it pertains to anger. Time will tell. Yeah. I thought it was uh, interesting. Um, We should talk about Jared Leto. Morbius is apparently hot trash. I have not seen it. I yet. think
0: I will be watching it this weekend.
1: Ooh, awesome.
0: So I'll let Does you know. Does that mean I
1: should probably go see it so
0: we can review it? So I will let you know how hot trash it is. Okay. Uh, so, from friends reviewing it, so not like expert critics or anything, but friends, most of them said for most of the movie, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And then the end happens,
1: and the end ruins the whole movie yeah so news broke this week of just how ridiculous (laughs) jared leto (laughs) Uh, up rocks as mike ryan said uh that director daniel espinoza someone told me that jared leto was so committed to playing michael morbius that even when he had to go to the bathroom, he would use his crutches that his character used in the movie and slowly limp to get to the bathroom. But it was taking so is so Jared Leto's a notorious um, uh, don't never break character guy like so much so that there's all these legendary incidents on his, on other movies where people were very angry. Um, suicide Squad. He sent a pig's head to someone. Yeah. 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 So he's slowly limping to get to the bathroom, but it was taking so long between for pee breaks that a deal was made with him to get a wheelchair so someone could wheel him there quicker. And he agreed to that. Is this true? This, uh, this writer for up rock says Daniel Espinosa, the director for Morbius says, yes, <laughs> <laughs> he explained that Leto felt he needed to mimic and fully embody his character who lived with chronic pain as a result of a specific blood condition. He went on to say, I think that what Jared thinks, what Jared believes is that somehow the pain of those movements, even when he was playing normal Michael Morbius, he needed because he's having this pain his whole life. Even though as he's alive and strong, it has to be a difference. Hey man, it's people's processes. (laughs) Yeah. Method acting.
0: So I don't get it. (laughs) Like, I know that De Niro is a method actor. I know that there's several method actors, but um, so making its rounds on Twitter and other social media platforms was a clip, and I sent it to you, of uh, Sir Ian McKellen uh, talking to uh, Ricky Gervais, Mm -hmm. and um, it must have been for a show, Uh, but he was talking about, Well, here's my method acting. I am Sir Ian McKellen. And then when the camera comes on, I become Gandalf. And my method is the script says move here and I move here. (laughs) And there's cue cards off to the side that say my lines and I read
1: them. I mean, let's be very clear. We can sit here and call it method acting. But what Jared Leto is doing is not Daniel Day Lewis writing everyone letters as Abraham Lincoln (laughs) and 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 like being the character while doing his normal things. Yeah. Off camera. Like you can just see everyone on set and and this dude, Leto, says, "Eh, I need a break. Gotta go to the bathroom. And then watching him slowly limp off the set while everyone's just kind of standing there going, um, I mean, time is money. (laughs) Like, you can just sense everyone's annoyance and the way that this director answered these questions. (laughs) And and here's what I'm saying. So, like, let let me ask you a question. Everybody, everybody, like, Jared Leto seems to be a respected dude in the acting profession. Mm -hmm. But I have a question. Is he a good actor? Is he... Really, what, what performance has he blown us away with? Um, my so-called life.
0: <laughs> what didn't he get an award? For I'm sure he did, but he was just Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, he might have for that. He, yeah, he at least got nominated. If he didn't win it, yeah,
1: I just don't know, man. I don't know. Um, For my money, there's way better actors
0: out there. So, him getting killed early on in uh, American Psycho still might be my favorite performance (laughs) of his. Listen to what you just
1: said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh,
0: man. So, my question is how bad was it originally before they did like the reshoots and delaying of the release? Because they delayed it by like three or four months.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He he. The director in the same interview said that Spider-Man No Way Home changed their movie. Like Sony's a, just a mess, dude. They're just a mess, and and this will continue in, until Marvel just needs to make a push to buy the character back. Not Morbius. No, you, no, you can no. Leave. But no, he comes with him. Okay, so the reason Sony has Morbius is because. When they bought the rights to a a character, so when they bought the rights to Spider Man, it's the same thing with Fantastic Four. So for years, the MCU couldn't, didn't have access to Doctor Doom Mm -hmm. or the Silver Surfer or all these other characters that were um, um, seen to have originated from Fantastic Four comics. Yeah. So when you bought the rights to the comic, character you're buying the rights to all the characters who originated from within so with spider-man morbius first appears in spider-man comics so that's why sony's out there making morbius movies and venom movies and and they're developing a craven the hunter movie which like look craven's a cool villain in a rogues gallery sort of way but you don't make a solo movie with craven the hunter if you don't think this is going to be a disaster i don't know what to tell you
0: so, yeah, I would still leave it Morbius, like, somewhere in the dumpster.
1: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. well, didn't I say that? Didn't I say yeah. that when they, when they first started developing this? Like, I don't know what they're doing. Morbius is not an interesting character.
0: I do have the first comic book, though.
1: It's He's literally called Morbius the Living Vampire. Vampire. I don't even know what that, how does that make <laughs> sense? Like, what is that? I don't know. I don't know. Sony is just ridiculous they're all about the Benjamins and I hate it I hate that they have Spider-Man and then like getting a taste of Spider-Man in the MCU has just made it all worse yeah in my opinion because now we could see what it could be and then Sony still has access to make their terrible movies and ruin it all because I think
0: both characters of Venom and Carnage could be good if done by the right people, but Sony seemingly
1: doesn't have the right people. <laughs> yeah. Well, by right people, you're probably talking about Kevin Feige. Yeah. You, you need that one guy in charge who actually cares about the source material and cares about the fans. That's I think what Feige has proven is that he cares about the fans. He wants to be true to them. And and the, and showing that you could still make all the money doing that, it just takes all the money a little bit of a little bit of extra um, work in the sense of making sure. I don't. I mean, I don't know what Feige's process is. I don't know why. I think it's because he's a fan. He probably started off as a comic book fan, and the dudes at Sony aren't. They don't care. It's the same thing with DC for years and Warner Brothers. Like all the mess with their like Superman movie that never made it, the Nick Cage Superman movie, the Death of Superman, whatever. I'm They're, here the Kevin for Kevin Smith script. I mean, Kevin Smith has gone on record for the script he wrote for a Superman movie that got trashed because he said the people at Warner Brothers just kept changing it.
0: Um, I'm here for Nick Cage as any
1: superhero. It would have been hilarious, probably. <laughs> <It would> have- <laughs> I wish there was a Nick Cage Superman movie that existed just because it probably would have been hilarious. All right.
0: Well, it's time to... Uh, uh, we don't want to talk about the the guy that we teased last podcast but didn't mention him because we
1: ran out of time. Uh, yeah, we probably should because that's... I mean, what a farce that is, too. And that's big. Ezra Miller got himself into trouble. again, Again. And now there's talk that... Um, he, I mean, he might be pulled off this movie. The the flash is on hold, and frankly, like I was under the impression that this was mostly filmed. Like what now? You're gonna have to refilm the entire movie. Um,
0: maybe they can do what um, um Zach Snyder did with his zombie Vegas movie um, was it Army of the Living Dead, whatever that had Dave Batista in it um, but they had the guy from um, that plays um, Scarecrow in Teen Titans he was in it but then he had allegations against him and so then they like just reshot uh, Tig Nataro doing his scenes mm-hmm. and then were able to right put her image in, in place of that guy and so maybe they can get grant from the flash tv series
1: so Ezra hasn't been doing promotional stuff for Fantastic Beasts the Fantastic Beasts movie the Harry Potter movie um and and Warner has said it's because they're he, they're contractually mandating promo appearances for the Flash they're saving his contractually mandated ones for the Flash Although that seems, nah, that's not why. Uh, because now they're having meetings. Big meetings. To discuss his removal and how that's going to do. Uh, basically, um, there was a pair of incidents in Hawaii. Miller apparently harassed, uh, harassed bargoers for singing karaoke, which, I mean, if it's a bar and they're having karaoke, eh. you can't do that. No. He eventually got arrested by local cops. Then he had a restraining order filed against this couple who say the actor burst into their hotel room and threatened them. And there's all sorts of reports out there that I can't really report on. But uh, there's all sorts of corroborating evidence from locals who say this dude's a piece of work.
0: Which a couple of years ago, there was the incident with the lady in Iceland. I thought it was Russia, but it's Iceland. And, like, he tackles her, like, with a choke slam. <laughs>
1: yeah. it, it is alarming. Rolling Stone report recently came out um, with news that Miller apparently had meltdowns on the set of The Flash. While the insider stresses there was no yelling or violent outbursts, they described Miller as, quote, losing it. Ezra would get a thought in their head and say, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and now there's an emergency meeting. They have paused the future developments on Miller's projects, um, which, you know, if the flash, this movie was supposed to be like a, a keystone cornerstone to the rest of the, the future DC movies. Right. Am I
0: wrong? Um, that was some of the rumors in which, um, so, It's so weird how DC does things. It's upsetting at the same time how they do things. So they had that graphic of all these movies coming out in 2022. Mm -hmm. And you see The Flash and you see Aquaman. Well, come to find out that, like, they were still actively filming those movies. Like, they're not done yet. It was just kind of as a promotional piece to get people... Really excited about DC again, and so then like right after the Batman's release, they're like, "Well, it's a, these two movies are actually coming out next year," and then we got Shazam too early, and so
1: my faith in a in a good DC movie universe future is maybe at an all time low, which is saying something. It's in the negatives. Like. <laughs> You like Warner Brothers has enough trouble just putting movies that don't suck out there. And now they've got this problem with Ezra Miller, who uh, from the beginning when they announced him as The Flash way back when. Yeah. I, I don't know, man.
0: So, like, several people pointed out he did good in uh Perks of Being a Wallflower. Um, his character in... But there were
1: rumblings of stuff even back
0: then. Yes. And um, his character in... Um, the Fantastic Beast movies—you don't get like that much acting from him until like the second one, and then um, there's been so many different cuts of Justice League. It's hard to tell, yeah, I'm, much. I, and so,
1: if like I can't believe he's in those Harry Potter movies. Like at this point, why would you put him in any sort of like saga? Where you have to, we would might have to keep using um, him. Although they just replaced Johnny Depp, but they see did. that sort of things bothersome to me. Like I don't like it when they replace actors, and now I mean it the appears they're gonna have to do it with him with the Flash.
0: Although there's,
1: there's a petition online from fans to make Grant Gustin uh, do the it. movie universe Flash. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I actually like Grant. I like him, but the show is campy, therefore he's a campy Flash and i just don't know how that fits into that universe. Yeah. Uh, you can have him be a
0: different flash.
1: Well, what are you going to do with so Iris is a character? Are they going to bring TV Iris into the movie then?
0: No. Nope. This could be a parallel universe version of the Flash. <laughs> Which we uh, already know that Warner
1: Brothers is a mess, dude. It's like a contest between Warner Brothers and Sony to see who can mess things up the most.
0: Although I think DC, if they play their cards correctly and just separate from this universe mindset, could salvage a Shazam universe where we have Shazam, the Black Adam, and somehow super- our Superman comes back.
1: Right, and so the, the smart- Just keep those three separate yeah. from everyone. one. <laughs> Shazam's probably the best DCEU movie, and it's because it stood alone. It was a Shazam movie, which I think they're, they're forgetting. They're trying to rush, and they're forgetting that Marvel, the MCU started off with an Iron Man movie, and a Hulk movie, and a Thor movie, and a Captain America movie, and it was their movies. They stood alone as stories.
0: And we scrapped the Hulk movie.
1: And then they connected them. You know, then they they did the job of connecting them. All the while, they're putting in these little Easter egg egg in credit scenes that are kind of drawing you along and connecting them in a small way. Uh, But, yeah, it's they're a mess. And they're they've got a big problem, big problem on their hands right now.
0: Right now, they might as well just stick with the TV shows. (laughs) That's what they do best.
1: Mm, Well, for a little while, they always they always get run into the ground after a few seasons. They're not good anymore.
0: Well, I don't know how long you can keep a superhero TV show going.
1: Like, everyone pretty much likes Lois and Clark now, but that seems to be the, the rhythm with those those Arrowverse series. It's for the first couple of years, they're good.
0: Well, now we're into the HBO Max series of DC. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah you you're a big fan of peacemaker i haven't watched you peacemaker I, I need to. titans i just i don't have any interest in dc right now it's hard for me, but i am drawn to peacemaker because it appears to be a standalone story
0: that it makes is. me
1: more likely to watch it at this point all right that's our news segment news we're, we're gonna head out to the lobby come with us we're gonna answer in listener questions coming up next in the lobby <music> Welcome to the lobby. We've come out to the lobby here to get ourselves a snack, maybe a beverage, and to answer listener questions. A
0: large tub of popping corn.
1: Imagine we're just waiting in line for our concessions and, and the listeners have questions. Your deepest questions you've always wanted to ask us, that's what this segment's for.
0: That's what I'm here for.
1: Lauren Allen is the first listener question of the day. She asks, which variety of Skittles is your favorite? And she included a picture, but she said it doesn't have to be one from the picture. So I didn't even know there were this many different flavors of Skittles. Oh, yeah. Because I hate Skittles. (laughs) Oh, that's a bold statement. Sorry, Lauren. I don't like. Uh,
0: Have you had the purple bag? No, it, and I'm pretty sure it's wild berry.
1: I can remember when Skittles came out, and I had some, and I, as a kid, and I didn't eat them again because I don't like them. Um, so, because you look at them and you see, you think M M&M and M, and then you put them in your mouth, and it's fruity, and, and I just don't. I'm not a fan.
0: So the purple bag by themselves best, but if you freeze dry, um, I'm vacuum seal Skittles. They do a popcorn thing and they like pop and the outside, Mm -hmm. like gets, or the inside becomes the outside and they actually become like crunchy and like taste even better. I don't know how it's possible. (laughs) It's like a science experiment. It is, but you can buy that. Can't you just
1: eat them out of the bag? Uh,
0: Yes, but there's people that- Like, if I have
1: to do work to
0: make them good, I don't want that. No, like, people already do the work for you, and then you can buy those bags. Or if you have a friend that is a, like, doomsday prepper, they're like, (laughs) oh, here,
1: have this. Yeah, look, if I'm prepping for doomsday, I just need lots of Reese's peanut butter eggs. <laughs> That's all I need. That's the only
0: candy So, I need. purple bag, by far the best. Okay. I'll speak on behalf of both of us.
1: Yeah, I'm just not, I'm not a big candy person. I'm not trying to be mean, Lauren. I'm just not a big candy person. In fact, like, if I'm going to eat candy, uh, I want one of the holiday-themed Reese's, and only those. I don't like regular Reese's peanut butter cups because I want the holiday ones because the ratio of peanut butter- mixture to the chocolate is higher
0: so non-holiday i go reese's fast break
1: yeah not enough peanut butter for me i want all the peanut butter all of it and then then we're getting like why would i have a reese's peanut butter cup if i could just get a tablespoon of actual peanut butter (laughs) because i'm not a big fan of chocolate to be if i'm being honest Oh, I love chocolate, so. I'm just, I'm not a sweets guy, I guess, is what I'm saying. So, sorry, Lauren, but I hope Cody's answer was satisfying. Yes. (laughs) And I hope you identified with whatever in the world he was talking about. I'm so lost. (laughs) Crispy Uh, Skittles or something or other. Like,
0: you, you can vacuum seal them, like your doomsday prepping stuff, and then it explodes them. And they become like a popcorn kernel, essentially, or a piece of popcorn. That's
1: so wild.
0: It is. And it becomes good. And it's like hard and crunchy.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, Kyle Kessinger has two questions this week. Uh, the first one's just for me. Okay. Well, I didn't have an opinion, so. He says, how's your dad doing? He's still racing. Always had a blast going to the speedway. Uh, my dad's doing good, man. Well, that's good. Yeah, my dad's uh, my dad was an auto racer for a little while. Like to do his thing on Friday and Saturday nights, and eventually like traveled around the Midwest. Like had would go and you know like it's not, it was NASCAR, but it's not like the show.
0: Um, could have been Jeff Gordon.
1: No, no, Uh, he was using his own money. (laughs) <laughs> which is why he doesn't do it anymore because, it you know, racing's expensive. It is. Uh, but that's, yeah, he did that and it was on asphalt um, and it was fun. I like to go and watch my dad race. Uh, but if I'm being honest, racing's kind of boring too. <laughs> and really, I was only waiting for someone to wreck.
0: Um, yeah,
1: Racing fans won't admit that. They'd be like, uh, I like to just, I like to watch the competition. Like, no, you don't. I like to take a good nap during like
0: the middle of the race, wake up about the last 10 laps when there's actually
1: action happening, mm. and then, hey, it's over. I've seen so many races where the cars get spread out. You can't even tell who's winning anymore if, you, if they didn't have a board who'd tell you he's in the lead. Yeah. <laughs> because they're just spread out cars driving in a circle.
0: Unless it's a road course and then and there's then, some turn.
1: Didn't you see a dude spin out, get T-boned, and flip into the infield and hit a light pole? And you're just like, oh, that was fantastic. Hope he's okay. He's uh, Generally, they're fine. Most. The, 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 it's amazing how they protect those drivers in a vehicle moving like 200 miles per hour. Yeah. I don't even know how they do that. I couldn't even... Uh, the other day I was, uh, I wanted to, sh- my oldest daughter asked if we could go hundred miles per hour cause she wanted to know what it would feel like. And so I figured, well, it's better I do it than she start driving and try to do it on her own. Mm-hmm. So we went out to like some country highway where nobody was around and we did, but even then I'm like, Ooh, I got uncomfortable. <laughs> like it doesn't feel good to me going fast. Slow it down. This is a neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Well, someone's Uh, neighborhood. My dad's doing great, Kyle. He's uh he's he's doing fine. He's retired. He bought him a, a house out in the country, which he always wanted. Oh, well that's nice. Yeah. So and my dad, like he's perfectly happy, like working on cars in his garage and doing projects. And that's what he'll do. That's what he likes, living that sweet life. Yeah. Uh, Kyle also wants to know um, what are some of your favorite cult classic movies. He said, "My favorite is Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man." I have not seen. You haven't. You haven't seen Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. I believe that's um, uh, Don Johnson, maybe. And I don't. I don't remember. Yeah. It's been I, so long since I, I seen have that not movie. seen it. Yeah. Um do you, would you would you like to go first? Um, a cult classic. Like what what are our definitions for a cult classic? So, I mean,
0: clearly it could not have been a success when it was released.
1: Yeah, can't be like a huge blockbuster.
0: Um but there's a big group of fans that you quote a line and they're likely going to quote the next line or are going to go all in um, on it um, and, like, start referencing their favorite parts, and you can tell that they're a fan of the movie.
1: Yeah. Okay. So what... Do You you go first.
0: Okay, so, like, Donnie Darko.
1: Mm, yeah. That
0: one is... A lot of people like that one. Is one on my list... Um, I'm not a fan. It's just too weird. It, I enjoy it. Um, yeah, no, he, I, don't, I don't. So I don't
1: begrudge you for it.
0: One of my top three Jim Carrey movies is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, very underrated, and um, better off dead.
1: <laughs> so
0: that one yes. might be my my favorite next to The Big Lebowski.
1: Okay, so Better Off Dead, that's like a rabbit hole in and of itself though uh, because and, and let me tell you, Better Off Dead is um, directed by Savage Steve Holland. Okay? Savage Steve! Savage Steve <laughs> did another movie with John Cusack called One Crazy Summer with him and Demi Moore and So it's like it's almost like it's not just a cult classic. You have a cult family of movies. Mm. Better off dead is so gloriously weird. It is, and and so it's like all about this kid who lives in this weird family, Mm -hmm. who uh, John Cusack, who's like a high school senior, and he he wants to be the best on the ski team, which is already (laughs) completely unrelatable, right? Like because we live in Kansas. Yes. But I'm assuming that's unrelatable for most people. A ski team in high school. Um, and he's also lost the what he thinks is the girl of his dreams at the very yes. beginning to the ski captain. Um,
0: his friend is obsessed with drugs, but he's like, this mountain's made of pure snow. (laughs)
1: Booger from Revenge of the Nerds.
0: Starts like snorting up actual snow.
1: He's amazing in that movie, by the way. Um, Yeah, there's such good lines. There's iconic lines in there. So like the the paper boy is a recurring... Yes, theme in the movie because he's like they play him as like a horror movie, <laughs> like popping up and scaring the character. Um, there's the the two Asian uh, drivers, drivers that always want to race him, but they but the one talks like, like, like Howard, Howard Cosell, Cosell. <laughs> Lane Maya. <laughs> it's like what is happening? It's just so gloriously weird. Um, yeah, the mom's always cooking things that look terrible. Um, oh. So there's the the line, the, I want my $2 by the paper boy. There's one of my favorite lines where um, he accidentally, there's an ex- accidental explosion yeah. and it almost kills the neighbor's mom. And he's like, gee, Ricky, I'm really sorry I blew up your mom, <laughs> <laughs> which is a reuse line. Yeah, that's crazy. And one crazy summer, if you like Better Off Dead and you haven't seen one crazy summer, it's you take that weirdness and you add Bobcat Goldthwait to it. Chef's kiss. Glorious.
0: Glorious. So I have not seen one crazy summer.
1: Oh, oh man. And it's, so it's like, it's, you take that weirdness, but you put it in like the 80s summer vacation movie, you know, the trope (laughs) like that they do in like great outdoors for instance. So Mm -hmm. like there's a romantic interest. Who's a local, that yes, John Cusack is is falling for. There's the, all the weird characters. It's just it's it's fabulous.
0: Um, I, I'm here for Savage Steve Holland movies. So South Park had an episode that was better off dead esque in the fact that it's a ski town, and um, that his parents are brought in, or the uh, Kyle's parents go there because of. Uh, uh, they're trying to get a condo. They're like, you just sit in on a presentation, you get a free ski trip mm. for a condo um, in this ski resort town. And then he gets challenged by this dude to, to race uh, him down the mountain for this girl. And Does he race on one
1: ski? Um, at one time, I think he might lose a ski. I don't want to, you know, spoiler alert, because I do recommend if you haven't seen Better Off Dead, <laughs> go seek it out. It's it's so wonderfully 80s and weird. I love it. And funny. And early John Cusack, too.
0: Um, Real Genius also will make my list.
1: Oh, yeah. I, is that? a Yeah. I mean, I suppose it wasn't hugely successful. I would call it a cold
0: class. Because, like, Val Kilmer just has some random off-the-cuff lines and scenes in it. That just kind of stealed the show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I stole too much time. Your turn.
1: <laughs> well, also uh, better off that I, I had a huge crush on the foreign exchange Change. French girl <laughs> that he eventually falls in love with, who's just like his friend at first. Yes, um, I think everyone everyone did back in the eighties, though. That was the point. <laughs> <laughs> that was the his girlfriend that breaks up with him in the beginning is horrible. She's a horrible person, but that's like another eighties trope. Um, yeah, when you're talking about cult classic movies, I talk about The Burbs a lot. Just eminently quotable, um, but wasn't a successful movie. Tom Hanks hates it. He's not even a fan. He call, he's at times called it his worst movie. And each time he does it, a little piece of me dies. Because <laughs> so I'm just like, Tom, I love that movie. And I love you in that movie. There's Ray, this is Walter. Oh, ah! <laughs> <laughs> the kid- it's like it's so good. It's such a good movie. And uh, Bruce Dern's character, who's like the Vietnam vet, who's like still overly military. He's always wearing camos. He's like talking on the radio. like, Red Rover, Red Rover, let Ray go on over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Burbs is great. I think one of my all-time favorite cult classics, and I know Kyle will appreciate this, because I just know Kyle and this is this is his kind of movie. Um Big Trouble in Little China. Oh yeah. It's fantastic. And if you are at all a fan of Mortal Kombat, you're gonna want to see Big Trouble in Little China because the Mortal Kombat basically rips off the character of Raiden from Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Because there's a dude who looks just like Raiden in that movie who's like a bad guy and it's basically um the main character is played by kurt russell who's a truck driver he somehow gets embroiled in this like chinese mafia story as one does and there's all this mystical things happening underneath the surface and it's just it's 80s cheese and it's so gloriously brilliant yeah uh, so I would have to say probably Big Trouble in Little China. I think Big Lebowski yeah, Big comes Lebowski close. is yeah.
0: on my list. It might be number one for me because
1: commercially, box office wise, it was one of the Coens' worst movies. Uh, but so uh, it might be one of their best. Yeah, it's one of their most beloved now. Yeah, it's a, it's a cult classic as well. Big Lebowski is incredible, uh, but not for kids. Definitely not. A lot of a lot of cursing, um, but yeah, I think those are those are good. Those are our questions for this week. Uh, when we post uh, the Ask Us Anything, make sure and get on, jump on those posts and uh, ask us a question. Ask us anything. Kyle asked me about my dad. Yeah. So you can ask us personal questions, whatever. We'll answer just, just about anything unless it's, you know, private. But why would you want to ask us something like that?
0: You can ask me what celebrity my dad looks like and you will
1: be shocked. Oh, I think we just have to pretend that someone asked it next time because am I am <laughs> I'm dying to know.
0: Yeah. And it, there's a legit, like people have stopped my dad when I was there and asked him, Are you this person?
1: Are you him? Are you him? Uh-uh. Are you he? No. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> okay. Someone ask, someone ask what celebrity Cody's dad looks like when we post the, uh, that, that post. Spoiler, I don't look like my dad at all. So, mm. all right. That was the lobby. Make sure and jump in on the action and you might be featured on the podcast next week. We'll be right back right after this for the main thrust of this podcast. Is the focus. The main focus. Yes, the main focus. We'll be right back. welcome back to the podcast pop culture pastor Dave and Cody hanging out and uh, we're finally to our main subject tonight today mm-hmm. whenever you listen to this whatever we're all we're all places and, and at all times when you're on a podcast yeah we're, we're, we're all things to all people that's what Paul said in the Bible right exactly <sighs> something yeah. like that and so um we're here we're gonna talk about board games. What board games, like, what was the first board game that you remember? Or Maybe, I mean, should we expand it to card games too? I don't even know because, like, Uno was pretty big in my family.
0: Uno's still big. Yeah. And, yeah, it was, that was what I played whenever we'd go over to my grandparents'
1: house. How, like, how sinister would a game of Uno get at your house? Because I know, like, Uno ruins some Thanksgivings. I think it. At my grandma's house.
0: Um, it wouldn't get that bad at my grandparents' house, but with friends?
1: Oh, yeah. We, we always tell this story in my family. My grandfather, who's, you know, since passed away, um, he, he, like, he was like the military strong silent type. Mm-hmm. So he would, like, I can remember the times he talked to me. Right, (laughs) because they were so few. Um, But when we played a game, and he he would play sometimes, and it would really it really humanized him for me. Mm. Um, Obviously, uh, I'm not saying that to criticize my grandpa about how he was silent and didn't talk to me much. You know, he had seen more terrible things in his life, and obviously that comes from a place of different generations, different things they lived through. Um, But when he would play games with us, it would like humanized him, and he would do this thing in Uno. Where he would like psych out the person who was playing before him, it was like, "You're going to play the card that I need." And he would put his finger on his temple <laughs> like he was using mind control and and darned if they wouldn't play the card he needed every time he'd be like, with, you know he'd be on Uno and he'd have that color that wasn't the color on the board or whatever, and that every time, man, he'd, they'd play the number that he needed.
0: That's awesome.
1: yeah, and I just remember that a lot, but he would do that. he would like, "You're going to play the card that I need."
0: wow. Now, I so playing it now as an adult, I have to, like, say, what rules are we playing by? Are we playing by the legit UNO rules? Or are you playing by the stack the draw twos and stack the draw fours? <laughs> now, and, now,
1: explain this to me, because when I played, I, th- I think there were only one set of rules. Now, what do you mean stack? They can stack them?
0: Instead of, like, if I played a draw two, you would not necessarily have to draw two if you had a draw two card. Yeah, so then can, it can become a draw four for someone else after you. Yes, and then they right. could keep going. That's not how Uno's supposed to be played.
1: So, yeah, the way we played uh, was if with, someone played a draw two, you had no recourse. You drew yeah. two, and then it was the next player's turn.
0: Yeah. Uno has spoken on their official Twitter account. And why are we always going to change things? Because... They're
1: loose cannons out there. <laughs> it doesn't seem right. Um, now there was a game where I was okay with certain of the rules changes, but they were listed in the rules. Like so, Monopoly. Monopoly is the go-to. Had its base rules, but then it, in the instruction manual, which was on the box or on the insert of the box, which they don't do that anymore. But that was cool. Yeah. Uh, they they had like the extra section at the end, like options that you could do and one of them that our family liked to do was free parking had money in it so like anytime you were paying the like you know taxes or something like that you paid it to the middle and whoever landed on free parking would get all that money it was like inserting the lottery into monopoly (laughs) Um,
0: which by the way if you play that on like xbox live Mm. it the free parking is is the instant cash. Yeah. Like, they play by those rules.
1: That was heavily adopted, I think, because it wasn't part of the base Monopoly rules, but I seem to remember lots of people playing that way. Like, even when I'd go to a friend's house, they are like, oh, yeah, we play with the lottery, free parking. (laughs) Uh, Like, it was just conditioning us to all be lottery addicts. Although, Monopoly
0: as a teenager, got, like, certain guys banned from my house. <laughs> there was a fight that broke out over Monopoly. And certain people cannot be at the house at the same time.
1: Nothing, like, seriously. Um, like, in, in our family, it's the saying goes, the, the game of Monopoly wasn't over until someone threw it off the wall. Yeah. And it would always be, inev- inevitably... It would always be, like, it wouldn't be that you got mad at someone. I mean, you'd get mad if you rolled, like, you landed on boardwalk. Yeah. There was, like, ten numbers you could have rolled to be safe and two numbers you couldn't roll, and you roll one of those numbers to end the game and you get mad. But I think the, the thing that made most people mad was the, like, there was always, like, that one person in the game, whether it was, like, a little sister or someone who would trade dumb trades. Yeah. And, and like, listen, it's a simple rule. You don't trade unless you have something, you gain a monopoly out of it. <laughs> right? You don't give someone a monopoly if you're not getting a monopoly. Yeah. That would make me mad. That would set me off because I wanted to win. And I just like, why are you doing that? You don't get anything.
0: Yeah. Card tables were flipped over.
1: Oh, we, Yeah. We, I'm all on board the flipping tables narrative. Jesus be like, well, Jesus flipped table, tables, and if you make that trade, I'm gonna flip this table. <laughs> I'm all, I'm all aboard that narrative. I usually discount when I'm pastoring.
0: Yes. <laughs> when it comes to Monopoly. Well, it makes about as much sense as when people do use it. Yeah.
1: So, um, is there a game uh, that you remember, like? that's kind of off the beaten path that you're that you got for christmas or your family played like when you were like what's the earliest game you can remember
0: so the earliest game that wasn't like uno yahtzee or monopoly um there, I, I had a goosebumps board game
1: whoa what
0: <laughs> yeah then well you would have had to been. in a kid in the early 90s um but yeah there was a goosebumps board game and there's like pieces that made a graveyard and yeah it was kind of cool
1: yeah i uh when i was a kid of course sorry is oh a yeah game which is basically like a version of uh what, what's that game called it's not sorry it's um ah there's a name for trouble it. it's uh, trouble but it's like a is it parcheesi Oh, is it like the base? Like that's the game. It's just, they put a different name on it. I don't remember. So honestly, like
0: growing up, there's a lot of shows that talked about Parcheesi. I don't think I've ever seen Parcheesi like played at all. Did you ever play backgammon?
1: Yes. It was probably with a grandparent. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They bring out the fancy leather faux leather case. And you'd be like, oh, I don't know what board game this is, but I'm about to have my mind blown. And then they open it up, and you're like, this is it? Yeah. You got black black circles and white circles? This game's lame. I'm just saying. Uh, what's the game with the marbles? And, like,
0: it had, like, colorful triangles. No, that's
1: Parcheesi.
0: Is that Parcheesi? You, you,
1: no, no, it's Chinese checkers.
0: Yeah, there we go. Chinese
1: checkers. So, yeah, we had Chinese checkers, too, which seems overtly... Or subtly racist now.
0: Um, Why it is it probably,
1: Chinese? Probably has a different name now. <laughs> I feel a little nervous <laughs> saying that, but that's what it was called. And yeah, it was like checkers where you leap. You you were leaping the other uh, the other person's marbles, uh, I believe. Yes, that is the game. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, I remember. Sorry was a big game. We had Trouble was yeah. another game because Trouble was cheap. It always that was always like one of the cheap games you could buy for kids and kids like the pop, the yep. dice popper. Um, Sometimes was,
0: the dice would not pop up high
1: enough and you just keep getting the same number. Yeah. Trouble and sorry. I mean, essentially the same game. Yeah. Except sorry. Didn't have the cool dice popper. Um, here's a game. I remember my grandpa, it was at my grandpa's house, my other grandpa. And every time I go there, he had this game called Bermuda triangle. That came out in, like, 1978. And uh, here's the description from the box. Bermuda Triangle, the legendary area in the Atlantic Ocean where dozens of ships and planes have disappeared without explanation, is the setting of this exciting game of suspense. The sinister mystery cloud hovers, weaves, and sweeps, swallowing some ships as it passes. Can you make it home with your cargo, or will your fleet become just one more victim in the Bermuda Triangle?
0: Well, um, if it's like my luck with the Oregon Trail, <laughs> I'm a goner.
1: So the, essentially you had like, it was almost kind of like Battleship because you had multiple ships and you had this course in the ocean that you were trying, you had options to try and which course you wanted to take. And you would go pick up um, like cargo from somewhere and then you'd try to bring it back to your home port. But the the, the conceit of the game is, is there's this large like figure eight shaped like hurricane cloud and that mm. it was you know it had its own dice to see where it would go and where it would go and the, it was a p- piece of plastic that sat on a, a little spinner and there were magnets on it and so there were little metal pieces in the ship. So if the storm would go over your ship it would pick it up <laughs> and it would make your ship disappear. Just like the Bermuda Triangle. It was a simple game, but you know I was like five. Um, so that's intense.
0: It was for a five year old. Because
1: sometimes the cloud would just kind of graze over the ship and you wouldn't, it wouldn't do anything. But then sometimes it would go over and you hear the click and you're like, no, (laughs) (laughs) the UFOs just stole my (laughs) my, my cargo
0: ship. Uh, Uh, Yeah. Parcheesi looks like that, which our viewers cannot see or, yeah. So it's the same game. Sorry,
1: trouble. Essentially the same game. Although it looks so weird. Yeah. I don't know about it. I don't know either. Parcheesi sounds like so. You know, the poor kids played trouble. Yes. the rich kids played Parcheesi. <laughs> <laughs> we had trouble. Um, um, another big one from from my youth was, and this is going to be weird because you're going to be like, really? But Trivial Pursuit in the '80s. Was, I was going to say was
0: it. So my parents had, like, three or four different sets of Trivial Pursuit. And so I would get to play occasionally when we'd have game night. And
1: you'd get throttled,
0: right? Um, There were a couple of grandparents that knew... Unless you had family edition. Uh, We did have a family edition, and I can hold my own, but... um, and as I got older, I got really good at Trivial Pursuit.
1: Yeah, well, me too. Because I grew up playing the only edition they had available, which was the Genus edition. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mistakenly called the Genius edition. But it, that wasn't the word. It was genus And that was the only one they had was just this original game of Trivial Pursuit. And yeah, so like when you were a kid, I mean, pfft, I mean history, everything was geared towards the adults. Yeah. Uh, and I would get slaughtered. But as time went on... Like my mom and I used to play this a lot, and my mom would skunk me up until I reached about this certain age. Now she would never admit this, but I I, I'll take her down anytime. She's getting old; she can't remember everything. Ouch! (laughs) Hey, I am the World Series of Pop Culture champion of the University of Kansas from two thousand five. Somewhere, don't try me. It is on a plaque. No, it's it's not. No one probably remembers. They probably forgot, and it was probably the only year they did that because that that show was big. It was like on VH1, mm-hmm. and so they did their own version of it. I hope it was the only year they did it because I can then say I'm just the World Series of Pop Culture Champ of KU. Name it and claim it. Well, that's what yeah, that's what I think. Yes, uh, but yeah, my my family was fond of the Trivial Pursuit, and that was probably how I got so good at trivia. Everybody would accuse me of memorizing the cards, which there's a ton of cards in there. How are you going to memorize them?
0: Um, maybe you have a photographic memory.
1: I don't, but I would look at them like in the bathtub. I'd, take the, <laughs> I'd soak in the bathtub and I'd, I can remember as a kid reading, taking the cards with me, trying to guess them, but then looking at all the answers. I mean, I guess if, what's the difference between learning and memorizing really? Mm, good question. Can I help it if my brain retains those insignificant details? Um, Maybe. I don't know. I really always wanted to be on Jeopardy.
0: Um, There's some times on Jeopardy where I'm like answering questions before the contestants buzz in and I'm like, I do great. And then there's some times
1: where I'm like,
0: who knows this?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's what separates like the the master players of Jeopardy from the the uh, the rest.
0: Mm-hmm. Is the
1: master players there's any category that goes up there. They're just money. But like yeah, for for us normies, if I was ever on Jeopardy, you would be like, "Come on, sports. Come on." <laughs> <laughs> Movie quotes. <laughs> uh cuz yeah, there's some categories that be like, "Well, um nope. The before and after." Yeah. When you get cute with it no thanks can't do that
0: um a game that was popular especially once i was like older elementary middle school age stratego
1: oh yeah yeah so other kids had that i never had that
0: oh it's fun i still so Besides being a pastor, I also am a children's case manager for a mental health center. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the games that I will choose to play to work on uh, learning cooperation, following directions, those sorts of things, and controlling your temper. Because there's enough strategy in it that you actually have to think things out. And so since I play it quite frequently, I'm usually a few steps ahead of my kids. Mm-hmm. And so I think I've only lost one am probably playing 500 times. So, Oh, wow. It's rude.
1: So you're, yeah, you're uh, just basically torturing your, your case, case load kids. Not well intentionally. Done. Well done.
0: I'm seeing if they Very respond. therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seeing how they respond. Um, b- but most of the time they do really well. I have some kids that are like, we're not doing Stratego. <laughs> and I'm like. I don't blame you.
1: I mean, although listen, I have some that are up for the challenge, I'm not going to criticize because anything I play with my kids, like I'm, I'm playing for keeps. Oh yeah, and I'll, I'll tell them it's like, well, it's for your own good because I need to make sure you can take a hit in real life. You can take a loss. Oh yeah, and you shouldn't begin that upset over a board game. Oh man, well, my family did not adhere to that. So. <laughs> I mean, we had some. I mean, we had yelling matches. I can remember the extended family, even on like Christmas Eve, we'd all be partying on Christmas Eve. And like, so the, the kids weren't allowed to, on Christmas Eve, the kids all had to go play the, with them, you know, with themselves. And the adults would play games and the kids weren't allowed to be in the adult games. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause there was, you know, there was enough adults where anyways, but I can remember hearing like the, why would you trade that? You can't. Tra- <laughs> 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 and, and of course, you know, my family's really competitive, though. Like, the board games were just... It wasn't just... I mean, they just were really competitive. Um, but they, they're so ingrained in my memory, too. So, you, you're you young enough where, by the time you're growing up, board games are fading.
0: Yeah, video games are on yeah. the scene.
1: The video game boom makes board games fade. And it's funny because when I was a kid back in the 80s, uh, board games were huge. Like some of my best memories are from board games. I can remember um, I was in second grade living in Topeka, Topeka, Kansas. And it was just me and my mom. That was that was it. And we had like this freak ice storm in March. Uh, it was like 1983. And there was a freak ice storm across northeastern Kansas and our we lost power for like 6 days. It was something ridiculous. You were in the dark ages. Well, man, it was 1983. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I don't know what to tell you, man. We didn't have internet, we didn't have anything and you know. so I remember my mom didn't go to work and I didn't go to school cuz there was no school cuz power was out. And for 6 days we like sat in the living room with blankets on cuz it was cold playing games. And my mom, you know, I love my mom. Uh, but she wasn't there a lot because she was single parent. She worked a lot. And so, man, I really look back at that those six days and remember it very fondly. We just played games. But even then, like she beat me at Monopoly or I'd beat her and it was on, like Donkey Kong. She, we'd have to go cool off for a while.
0: <laughs> well, thank goodness it was nice and cold outside.
1: <laughs> but the- like games were so huge and then video game boom kind of
0: ruined it all yeah now did you ever have the game perfection
1: Uh, refresh my memory i i i know i've heard
0: of it but i didn't have it okay so like growing up there was an annoying commercial and the song would get stuck in your head uh and the guy would go pop goes perfection and like so there's all oh, that's these- the one that
1: pops the pieces yes. out of the board.
0: Yeah. yeah, so you're trying to get all the pieces in the right slots, and if you do it before the timer and like hit it, it won't pop up. But if you don't, then all the pieces go flying and you lose pieces. I'm
1: not I'm not really sure why in the '80s we thought it was so important to give ourselves anxiety from games <laughs> because Operation yeah was big then too, and that was like the worst. That was like, look, look at these hands, Cody. I've always <laughs> been a big, big dude and have huge hands. Like, that's not the game. I was not put on this earth to be a surgeon. And I would always lose an operation. It was the worst, too, because it was almost like getting electrocuted, even though yeah. you weren't. But that was the feeling. You're like, oh, ah! <laughs> they have games like that now. They still do?
0: Um, so In this
1: day and age when we're all so anxious? That
0: doesn't seem like a good so idea. So there's like this hot potato game. And you got to, like, keep tossing the hot potato back and forth. But if you are the last one to get it, uh, when the timer goes off within the potato, it zaps you. No. Yes.
1: What? It's like playing with a live grenade. (laughs) It is. That's wild. That just seems wrong. We don't need that pressure. We don't need that stress. Everybody's already too stressed out.
0: Um. I like to think that they were trying to prepare you for the ACTs (laughs) or the SATs. They knew you got to start them young and they got to be able to handle the pressure. And then, boom, they're ready for real world, even though testing is not necessarily real world scenarios.
1: Other old games I had. So I was an only child. So this is going to sound really sad, but I would get these games for Christmas and then i would just play with myself so i remember i had this game called fireball island do you uh, have you ever heard of this game that's made up oh no no fireball island was amazing and it had this huge board right and it had it was like this island set it was like a 3d board and there was a big volcano in the middle and you'd move your guy along these things trying to collect all these at these checkpoints you would get these little tiles that were points but at any given time, a certain dice roll would trigger the volcano. And there were these things that moved on the board. You moved them when you hit certain combinations on the dice where the ball would roll out of the volcano and take a different route each time. And so you're dude, and if you get hit by the fireball, you, got, you go all the way back to the beginning. It uh, was intense, man. <laughs> they recently, so uh, it originally came out in 1986, Um, and they recently, they recently came out with it again and I got it in 2021, a target version came out and I, I got it again. It's it's much improved. Like it's a much cooler game surface. My kids were not as into it as I was. It's, it's sat and collected dust on our shelf. (laughs) Oh, kids. Um, but yeah, that was a game that was special to me and nobody would play it with me. That's what I remember. Um, what other games did you guys play growing up?
0: Um, so as I got older, this game kind of became the it game apples to apples.
1: You see, that's a weird one too. It's Mm. so, so that's the kind of game that would set my family off because if you're competitive, you don't want to play apples to apples Mm -hmm. because it's arbitrary. Very.
0: You have to know the person <laughs> that's judging when you put down your card. Yeah.
1: In fact, whenever someone did bring it up as a, as an older person, like, I, you know, I've been around kids. I'm a youth pastor. And sometimes they want to play that game. And I'm like, I hate that game. I don't want to <laughs> play that game. Because uh, sometimes they wouldn't even understand.
0: Yeah. The references. Yeah. Um. So I've had that happen a few times where I'm like. I wasted a perfectly great card on this you jerk face, but <laughs> um uh, so like if you know the people you're playing with really well, it can be amazing and like so I went a dark route once <laughs> in apples to apples um the like the card the green card was um or the card that was popped up that everyone played on was messy mm-hmm. and then I had the JFK assassination card <laughs> and no! and the person that was next to me had a dark sense of humor even though they were like they graduated from a Christian college and I'm like I think I'll win this one And <laughs> I slide it and like they go through and then they get to that
1: card and they start laughing and I'm like got him Side note, like I'm pretty sure this is a Pruder film. Took my innocence (laughs) in eighth grade when they made us watch it. Yeah, so we had like this like conspiracy theorist come talk to our history class in eighth grade about the JFK assassination. What? Yeah, for real. (laughs) Like I could. He was like a. He was on the. He's in the police department, but it was like his hobby. And so, yeah, he, we, we watched like the Zapruder film and he's like, we're eighth graders. And he's like, oh, and you see this part here where, where Jackie O, or not Jackie O at the time, but Jackie Kennedy is like, she's like reaching back, looks like she's trying to get out of the car. No, she's picking up pieces of his skull. I'm just like, oh, bro, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, why? Everybody reacted. It's like, well, you, you just react in that situation. And she thinks she, you know, can still save him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that scarred me and like removed my innocence. Um, I was just like, oh, nothing will ever be okay
0: again. I, the History Channel had like non stop JFK assassination like conspiracy shows growing up. So, yeah, I remember that. I, I
1: already had that <laughs> one ruined. Yeah. So, and, anyways, so, yeah, that's an aside. Yes. I don't know how, you know, I'm not <laughs> sure, quite sure how we got there, but there you go. Um, so v- games go through like this lull mm-hmm. after vi- So Nintendo comes out and there's like the video game boom and everyone thinks, you know, board games are going to be a thing of the past and they, and they are for a while. And then in 1995 uh, in Germany, Frank, Co- Frank Cosmos Verlag uh, put out a game called Die Siedler von Catan. Uh, and this would uh, this was the game, the Settlers of Catan, and this mm. game changes everything. It does. This is the one. This is the one where like it takes it takes time to get traction because I don't remember ever seeing or hearing hearing about it before like 2005, like ten years. I was later. going to say,
0: I think mid to late 2000s, it like blows up on the scene because. Um, like the Green Bay Packers offensive line, they all play it. Um, I think it makes an appearance in pitch perfect yeah. like so there's definitely uh some pop culture references to it mid 2000s, yeah, and
1: it's like I can't there's a word to explain these games uh, that like a category that i'm'm I'm, I can't remember right now. Um, but it's, it inspires like all these copies Mm -hmm. pop gear. Like you said, pop culture references. So like, um, in parks and rec, Ben's game, the cones of Dunshire, (laughs) (laughs) like that's kind of like, it's super complicated, but you can tell it's like built on the same principles of games like settlers of Catan. Uh, but I can remember playing this with, with my new family when I got married like mm-hmm. they had discovered it and i i hadn't yet and it just quickly became our favorite game settlers of catan like uh, i had a t-shirt that said um my favorite thing to do is settle catan <laughs> <laughs> that's it no longer fits me i was smaller <laughs> um that
0: is a great shirt yeah i kind of wish i had it
1: he, i bet you could still get some some fun catan shirts out there yeah but that was that is a game that really brings back this certain style. It's it and it's a game that like for a while everybody was looking for the next um, award-winning uh, game from Germany. Yeah, <laughs> like it wins. It has some the, the Bundespiel Award or something like that. And then from then on, you're like going to that that weird gaming nook store in like a downtown area of a big city, and you're like, oh, look, this new game has that that symbol. It won the (laughs) Boondish Legal Award. (laughs) Um, Like,
0: I remember when bookstores were still a thing, they would have like a little like board game Mm. aisle. Yeah. And so you'd have to go peruse it and see what was happening.
1: And it really gives rise to like those these gaming stores mm-hmm. so after the bookstores kind of figured out like Barnes and Noble had a game section books a million yeah those and then sorts of and things. then there's it gives rise to these like specialized stores that are game stores where they actually have like gaming nights where they had a section of the store with just tables and you could go in there and play with other people who like the game uh and and along with it comes this like explosion of these games so where now Oh my goodness. Oh. There's just tons of games. We were just talking about someone before we started recording the podcast. Someone who wasn't isn't on the podcast with us, but we were talking about what we were going to talk about. And and we were just one of us said like yeah, there's just so many now that it's hard to find it's hard to find a game when you want to look for something new because it's almost overwhelming.
0: That and also do you have someone that willing to play it with you because there's so many mm-hmm. different types and variations and some people are very particular like they want to stick with this game and just keep playing it um like i know some Catan fanatics that that's their game they're not yes. venturing out <laughs> from Catan, yeah. but there's several that will well, there's,
1: there's several expansions yes. that can change the game in little ways for you. There's a player expansion where you can play more than four players.
0: Um, so there is a game that um, I don't know how long it's been out. I'd say forever. I could be wrong. But um, that I want to play. But I think to start up, it just is expensive, and you'd have to have other people to play with. Okay, and, and that—that's Warhammer.
1: Okay, so now Warhammer is a role-playing
0: game, yes, right? But there's pieces, and yeah. So if we're going to include card
1: games, I'm going to include roll the the Warhammer. It's definitely a different category, but then it's something different. So. Like, so Dungeons and Dragons came out. And I know I just said a keyword that for having the title pastor in my podcast, <laughs> I know all the Christians just went, <gasps> how like, dare they're you. holding their breath. Like, so Dungeons and Dragons got big in the 80s. And then, but I, and I know Warhammer has been around for a while, but Warhammer is different. Yeah. So like Warhammer, the kids that played Warhammer, it was almost about the art. So you'd get like these pewter Mm-hmm. figurines and then like half the fun was painting them. They would hand paint them and they were very, listen, if you knew, if you had a friend who's into the Warhammer, oh man, the painting and the particularness of the little figurines was almost bigger than the game.
0: <laughs> um, so there are quite a few, um, celebrities that are playing it now. um, Rahul Kohli, um, who is in Midnight Mass. He's the sheriff. All right, um, yeah. He's also in Haunting of Hill House. Henry Cavill. Henry Big Cavill. Big Warhammer guy. Um, Spider-Man. Tom Holland. So is it a British thing? It. All the Brits are playing it, because those three guys are Brits. Oh, I didn't know the dude from Midnight Mass was. Yes, he's British. Oh, wow. Okay. And so, um, yeah, I... And... Evidently now, like, people
1: 3D print their own. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And so... Back then, back then, you had to go drop, you know, 40 bucks on a dragon figurine from, like, the game store. <laughs> yeah. The weird game store, by the way. So we had, like, a, a game shop back in the, This would have been, you know, late 80s, uh, early 90s. And we had a, a store downtown that was... They had, like... It was half toys... Like it was a toy store, but it was the weird toys, right? Not your KB run of the mill toys, the stuff you could get at Kmart or Walmart. They had the weird toys, and then they had the game section that was all like all the stuff you couldn't get at those regular stores. So, like the role playing games, and then they would have the figurines. So, you could mm. get yourself a wizard with like the little <laughs> crystal ball on the end of the staff. Those, I mean, the pewter figurines at this time were huge.
0: Oh, yeah. And, Evidently, there's also like several variations of Warhammer now. There's even, uh, the yeah, there's munch- like a space one, there's a Munchkin Warhammer, which Munchkin games are huge right now. Oh,
1: yeah, we should talk about Munchkin.
0: Um, there's a case manager I work with, she has probably 10 variations of Munchkin.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know who you're talking about. Cause we, yeah. yeah, Munchkin was the rage. About like we were playing it ten years ago. Cause I used to work where you work. Yes, and so I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, we, and we would like the sets of Munchkin we combined together would just make this huge game of Munchkin. Yeah, Munchkin is a. By the way, if you're the for the uninitiated, like first of all, if you're a nerd and you don't know what Munchkin is, come how on, dare man, man. you? Come on, but Munchkin's like a card game that like simulates a role playing environment. Like it's it's got that feel. So you're like dungeons and monsters, but it's funny. It like is. The card, there's a lot of comedy in the cards, and it's not it's not to be taken seriously.
0: Yeah, there's like so the but version. You still win. The
1: Someone's version still a
0: winner. I've gotten to play the most is like a pirate version.
1: Oh, pirate Munchkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And, and it was funny and like my youth group's really into marvel munchkin nice but it's so complicated now it's like w- with every version of munchkin it would get like more complicated it was simple at first but now there's like well i have the infinity gauntlet so i can just take your weapon and blah 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 and then i'm like oh man it's too much i can't yeah yeah <laughs> Keep it simple. My youth group, I, I took them on a trip once, and they were up at like 3 in the morning yelling at each other about Marvel Munchkin, and I'm just like, seriously, you guys got to go to bed. <laughs> I can't believe that Munchkin has inspired this friction. Not here for this. Part of me kind of admires it because I'm such a competitive guy. <laughs> um, um,
0: so, okay, like the lone Christian game i'm going to throw out there although so it was kind of like a combination of um trivial pursuit meets i don't know because there was a video component but jeremy camp christian singer had like a bible trivia game but there was a board with it too and (laughs) Yours truly was a beast back in high school. <laughs> you get to the old Testament and I'm taking uh, out fools left and right. Jeremy
1: camps picture on the box. It
0: is. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> CCM artist, Jeremy camps, Bible trivia game. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, just today. Uh, I saw an article uh, about someone wrote an article about adding um, Junior Asparagus to Super Smash Brothers and said it's time. Add veggie Tales to Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, amen. Yes and amen. Make it happen. Um, so Katan comes out and it creates this wave of all these games. And I think the next big game that I remember just taking over was a game called Ticket to Ride. Oh, yeah. Otherwise known as The Train Game. So that same
0: person I work with has The Train Game, and <laughs> I've only seen it played. I have never gone to actually be there when it is being played.
1: And the reason Catan inspires this, by the way, because as of 2020, more than 32 million copies in 40 languages had been sold of Settlers of Catan. So it just creates this wave. And Ticket to Ride is kind of like the next one. Um, and as of 2014, three million copies were sold of Ticket to Ride. So this is like it just becomes big business, these games. But back when Ticket to Ride comes out, it was like Catan, Ticket to Ride. There were a few other ones. Carcassonne. You, did, have you ever heard of Car- no. I like to say it's French. Carcassonne. But you might call it Carcassonne. <laughs> It's like a tile laying game and and, and castles and like medieval stuff. It is. It's a fun like, you know, game puzzle game. Um, But there were a few of them. But then this is before the glut. Just like what it is now where there's just tons of games. So Uh, many. But Ticket to Ride is originally another German game. That they turn into an American game, and basically the American version is is it's the beginning of the train um, connecting the country, right? So you have all these stops, and you're trying to build, uh, you're trying to collect cards with routes, mm-hmm. and you're trying to get your routes done. So you're trying to build trains to your routes to collect points. Makes sense. And that was this was another big one in our family. Um, by the way, the German award I was looking for was the Spiel de Jar. Oh. The Spill the yeah. Jar. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't <laughs>
0: know that off the top of my head.
1: Uh, because Ticket to Ride won the Spill the, the, the Spiel des Jars in 2004. I'm probably murdering that those words, by the way. Probably not even close to saying that. Board right. game fanatics are
0: rolling over right now <laughs> in their graves.
1: <laughs> and this was another game that has, like, just tons of variations and expansions and just different versions. Um, like there's an Asia and India, a heart of Africa. I mean, there's just one of these games has been made for just about anything. There's a card game. There, are, of course, just computer games and apps um, made uh, from this game and Ticket to Ride. Super fun game. It looked fun. Have you never played Ticket to Ride? I told you. I've only gotten to observe it. Wow. Once. (laughs) We got to play it. Although, I don't like playing it now because my mom broke my board. She took it on a vacation. She borrowed it. She returned it with a broken board and then didn't even buy us a new one. You know what she did? She bought her a new one. (laughs) She liked my (laughs) game. She liked my game so much. She broke the board and then bought herself the game. I love that. (laughs) <laughs> no. You should give me the new version and you can take the board you broke. Um oh. I don't like playing it anymore because of that.
0: So now there's like even a market for like specialized like gaming tabletops. Oh, like man. there's like a caton table that you can buy. Oh, it's
1: so cool too.
0: It looks awesome.
1: Like you you spend like four hundred dollars and this dude like woodworks it, right?
0: Yeah. Like
1: wooden pieces and just the like the so gone is the problem of the the weak, thin puzzle piece board that connects together yeah. and never quite sits right. It so doesn't. this guy would make like this wooden tabletop with grooves where the pieces set down. Oh mm. man. Yeah, that's dream. That's like if you're like dude, you gotta love Catan, man you got to really love it or be rich. You have to be
0: William Gates. (laughs)
1: William Gates. You have to be Cody's close personal (laughs) friend, uh, William Gates. (laughs) (laughs) Jeffrey Bezos. Uh, And um, so there's several games we play here, but um, this gives right. So I think with the glut of these games, we're seeing another shift. Because here's some years back, an interesting game comes out where uh, all of a sudden you're not playing against the other players. It's called a cooperative game. Mm -hmm. The big one that everyone remembers and is the most popular one is called Pandemic. Yeah. Which hits a little too close to home now, but I I digress.
0: (laughs) Based on a real-life story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was a game about an epidemic, and you would... um, Work together with the other participants in the game. And you either all won or you all lost. And I don't think you want to know what losing meant. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Mad Max. That's what it meant.
0: Fury Road. (laughs) Um, So, like, the real life, like, cooperative game is the escape rooms. But now they even have an escape room board game. Yeah. And so...
1: Well, and there's so many games now you're seeing that kind of flooding the market. Mm -hmm. But I don't see, I pay attention because I don't want that game. Let me tell you something. I don't want to play pandemic because I want to win. I don't want to share my glory. I'm a competitive (laughs) dude. I want to win. I don't want to win as part of a team. Get out of here. Why would you play a game if you're not competing against everyone else? Okay. To get bragging rights. Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> we used to believe something back in the day. That's why Jordan will always be better than LeBron. LeBron, I bet, grew up playing cooperative video games.
0: I am probably the LeBron of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can work with people. I want to survive and win. And winning might not mean that I'm winning against everyone else. I might be winning with everyone
1: else. I mean... Uh, I played Pandemic one time at a friend's house, and there were like six of us, and we're all playing. We're kind of learning as we're going. There's like one guy who knows how to play; he's kind of guiding us. And then, so you you don't know what's what to expect, what to happen, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Well, we lost." And I'm just like, "Well, thanks, Karen. <laughs> this was probably your fault. I mean, I got mad. Just like that's it. We lost. This game's stupid." nobody wins nobody wins no i don't like that i don't like that at all why play a game somebody's got to win and that somebody should be me well you're, you're not wrong i'm this is the episode this is what is this episode 25 this is the episode where dave's ugliness finally <laughs> came out the game the board game episode my competitiveness. I'm actually, you know, in all seriousness, I'm not quite as competitive as I used to be. Uh, I, I don't play games as much, though, either. Like, that was, I think that was part of the draw yeah. for me. Um, but I'll play games with my kids, and it's not a big deal, like, if I win or lose. So but you, if I do lose, I'm mad.
0: You probably don't play... Um, I'll pout. What do you mean? Oh, no, what's that? I've never heard of that. Okay, so, like, we my wife and I have the office edition of it. And so you get a picture and then you, everyone has cards that have different like quotes from the show. Um, And like in the original uh, game, it's like different pop culture sayings. Mm -hmm. And so you lay it down. It's kind of apples to apples. And the judge then picks which one wins Based off their opinion of what the picture on the card is. And so you have in the Office Edition, you have random scenes from The Office. And then you're like, ah, oh, well, this is funny, even though it didn't go with that scene. And you just hope that someone doesn't have the actual quote from the scene. And the people judging didn't watch The Office. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound fun. Then we're back to that apples to apples style,
0: the, and there's so many different. Oh well, ones. and of
1: course they got vulgar. Yeah. So like some people, like if you venture out of your, your your circle of Christian friends, like you go to another friend's house, like oh we always play cards against it's humanity. Handy. yeah. house so on Friday nights, you should come play. And then like you see the cards, you're like, I'm I shouldn't be here. I'm in danger. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that
0: they made a Christian version. Yeah, it's of right it. behind
1: you. Go get it. Go get it. It's right there on the table. Uh, it's oh, called Cards Christians Like. Yes. Yeah. You should get it. We should, like, no, no no, one needs that demonstration. Okay. But there is a Christian version of Cards Against Humanity. It's called Cards Christian Like. <laughs> and some of them are really funny. Like, it, it's kind of, they kind of skewer, like, they kind of, they're, it's the Babylon B of games, right? Where they kind of skewer Christian culture. In a way.
0: Older version of Babylon Bee.
1: Yeah, before the Babylon Bee got super political. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean. I do. Okay, is there is there anything else we need to talk about? Gaming? Board games? Um You guys Tell us what games you grew up with. Yeah. Uh, Comment comment on the Facebook page. Maybe we'll put up a, to go along with this, maybe I'll put up a little post that says, hey, what games did you grow up with? What were your favorites? And, And what games do your families play now? Maybe we can help each other out now that the game market is so overrun with games. I wouldn't even know where to start now. If you say Battleship. Come on, man. Nobody plays Battleship. Do they? I hope not. I hate that game. Um it wasn't that much fun. You'd always play it with someone like a cousin or a sibling and they'd lie. Yeah. Uh miss. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on you'd be like, "Wait, it has to be there." And you'd be like, "Okay, I quit." That's what. You mean even like <laughs> yeah. The integrity's all on that person cuz you wouldn't know. Yeah. And then in- inevitably someone would lie.
0: Cheaters going to cheat.
1: It's like an episode of House. Everybody lies. Yeah. So it's yeah. not lupus <laughs> that should be a game it's not lupus uh, well everyone thanks for listening and we'll get a post up there so you can uh you can tell us what board games are your favorites which ones you grew up with and such uh, thank you so much for listening if you if you can please um subscribe to the podcast don't just listen uh, but subscribe to the podcast that helps us out and then give us a review uh, but only if you're gonna give us five stars. <laughs>
0: All the stars.
1: We've got a perfect review score right now. So, you know, uh, give us a review and write write some nice words. That helps us too. gets more people to listen. Uh, we we love every one of you guys that listen and appreciate you all that interact with us on the Facebook page and Twitter. Uh, make sure and, and go to Facebook if you're on there. Follow us. Pop Culture Pastor Podcast. You got to add the podcast. Otherwise, you might get this other Facebook page. About this really progressive pastor, he also is a geek, but he always like writes these politically charged geeks columns. So yeah, if you if you see one like that, that's not us. No, we're very apolitical. <laughs> Try to be here at Pop Culture Pastor. Um, yeah, and then or follow us on Twitter. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you next week.
0: See you in the next Pop Culture Pastor.